Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, it's Casey, and welcome to another episode of the Fractional CMO Show. Today, I want to talk to you about why you're not as successful as you want to be as a fractional CMO. If you're listening to this, you're probably interested in being a fractional CMO. You might have even tried to be a fractional CMO. You might even have a client or two. Maybe you're moonlighting. But for whatever reason, I bet you're struggling to get the load of clients that you need, to have the income that you want, so that you can do the things in your life that you want to do. Is that true? If it is true, keep listening. If it's not, if you've already hit forty, forty-five, fifty thousand dollars a month in recurring revenues of fractional CMO, I'm thrilled for you. This is not for you. This is for those folks who are earning less than you. Okay. So let me tell you my story about kind of how I became a fractional CMO. Maybe you've heard it, but I want to tell it to you from from an interesting angle, and that's an angle of doing what it took to get the outcome that I wanted, and. Specifically, I remember this time when I was working at an agency. So years ago, I was working at a marketing agency, and it was great. I was getting a bunch of experience, but I was working really long hours. I wasn't paid very well. It's very, very stressful. If you've been inside of a marketing agency, if you've been the leader there, um, and you're a contractor or you're an employee, and you have a lot of responsibility, your income probably isn't at the level where you wanted it to be or want it to be if you're there right now. That certainly was true for me. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, we were staying at her parents' house and they have a porch overlooking like their subdivision. We were standing out on that porch and she said to me, you just got to quit. You just have to quit. Just quit. Just walk away. And I was having, you know, I was caught up in like the stress of a launch and some frustration with um, some kind of dynamics there. Not important what was happening. But for me, it was, it was a tough time. You know, it was just like emotionally just kind of a drag. Work didn't feel fun. It was just a slog and, you know, the pay wasn't there. And I remember saying, I don't know what else to do. Like if I had another idea, I'd do it. And what was really interesting was the intelligence in what she was saying to me. She was telling me to burn the boats. She was saying, I believe in you and you'll figure it out. And what I said back to her was, I don't believe in myself. I don't know how to figure it out. I need the answer right now in front of me. And I just didn't have it. I remember this feeling, like this visceral feeling of like, I don't know what I'll do. Around that time, like, you know, within a few days after that conversation, I remember like opening up this old Word doc that was in, that I had emailed to myself years ago, which was my resume. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to have to update my resume. Oh, I hate it. Hate resumes. Back when I taught at Tulane, when I was a professor there, I would tell the students like, if you're not the number one student in the class, why would I pick you? to work for me, right? If you're going to apply through a resume, I'm just going to choose the best person. 
I'm not going to give really anyone a chance except for the best person. Why wouldn't I? So I didn't want to go play the game of polish up my resume and go submit it and go through the front door. Right? I, just, I just knew I couldn't do it. I, I didn't have great grades in school. You know, My experience was just like, it was just like, it felt too scattered to be valuable to anybody. It's like my resume was just weak. It wasn't my resume. It was like what I knew I could do was big, but what I had done, I just couldn't say it in a way that was interesting or impressive or would get anyone's attention, right? So I was like stuck in this position of feeling like I was just locked into this position at the agency and I just couldn't get out. And what my wife had said to me, my girlfriend at the time, Adelaide, uh, she said, you know, just like, you got to just go. You got to just quit. I'm thinking, oh, we've got this wedding coming up. We've got all these things going on. I can't afford to quit. You know, how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to do it? And maybe as I look back, was the decision right to stick around? Probably, you know, our wedding would have been a bit of a bust had I lost my income for a few months. You know, that would have been tough. So maybe I was right to stick around. And I like had to wait for this moment to feel, I don't know, inspired that it was the right time to go. The right time for me to bet on myself, to believe in myself. And for me, I needed to see some stuff. I needed to have it kind of aligned and clear. I needed to know, oh, instead of getting paid an hourly rate working at the agency where they brought the business to me, if I went out and got the business, I could increase my rates and focus on bigger problems and do that as you know a marketing consultant. Wait, I can go even further than that and I can have long-term contracts and I can be a CMO, but I can be a CMO for multiple companies, right? That was kind of the aha for me. And what I decided to do was burn the boats. Burn the boats, meaning like stop any way of retreating. Like you're going and you're staying focused on the path and there's no going back. I had to burn the boats. How did I burn the boats? I told the agency, hey, I'm moving. Moving to Philadelphia. That's where I live now. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. And when I get there, I want a fresh break. I want to start fresh with everything. So I'm leaving. I'm giving you guys a notice, you know, effectively a two-week notice. And it was, I don't know, six weeks or something. And it was an awful six weeks. Just if anyone's doing that, you know, just get out. Just two-week notice, great. You know, do everything you can. Um, that stale extra month that I added onto it was, didn't help anybody. So I burned the boats. I had no other option. I moved to this new town without really anyone that we knew nearby. We have some cousins that live not too far away, but it's not like we're incredibly close and, you know, we spend a lot of time together. It's just some really wonderful family. But, you know, I had like no safety net here. We're very far away from my wife's family, which is in Alabama, and my family in Michigan. We're out on the coast kind of all by ourselves, doing this whole build a business, have a family thing. And we decided that we were going all in and we were burning the boats. I couldn't turn back to that agency that I was working at and be like, oh, guys, I screwed up. I need, like, can you throw me like a couple clients? I'll bill you hourly. Like, mm -mm. like that wasn't there. I remember the pain of building up my client base to $23,000 a month in recurring revenue, feeling good about things, losing it all, and then having to open up that damn resume again and look at those lines and start adding in spaces and living in this awful reality of like a resume has to be one page and I make my margins a quarter inch and like trying to squeeze as much information as I can because maybe I'm a little verbose on it. And like the stress that comes from that whole thing, right? Like 
I guess that was a plan B. I could make a resume and I could send it out. But I didn't want to. No way did I want to. My body rejected the idea of doing that. I had to get to that point for myself. And what I find that's really interesting now that I'm helping other marketers do the same thing, like be a fractional CMO, who are the ones that are the most successful? I want to stop them from reaching a critical point of losing a majority of their revenue, let's say, or losing all their income or, you know, betting it all on one client that pays them 15 grand a month and kind of coasting on that and then losing that client overnight. Because those things do happen. You're not in control of the macro uh, economy and, and, and what's going on behind closed doors in the C-suite that you're not privy to the conversations of or what the CEO decides to do or is there a sale of the company or like whatever. Like there's always the chance that your clients are going to go away. Like you might lose a client at any, at any moment. Now the only way to circumvent that, the only way to protect yourself is to have a pipeline of other people that want to work for you because you're the expert and they see you as the expert and they want the opportunity to give you money, right? You got to get there. That's like, that's the secret to all of this stuff. But I see some folks who are CMOs and I get emails from folks that listen to the podcast or have read my book um, or that are members. Uh, they'll send me a message and, and they'll say like, man, I hit, I hit the bottom, you know, I hit the bottom. They're saying, maybe I could just kind of, you know, try this on this fractional CMO thing. Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's not. While around them, they're seeing other people being very successful, winning a $5,000 a month client, $7,500, $10,000, $15,000 a month client. Like they're seeing that stuff, but they're not all in. So they're spending 80% of their time maybe working in an agency or 80% of their time doing stuff that doesn't matter, posting on social media. Like whatever the thing is, they're not focused on the result and burning the boats so they cannot retreat. And they have to get themselves to the point where they're there. I wish I could tell someone, hey, what you're doing right now is going to really hurt you. And I wish it landed for them with the same visceral kind of reaction that I have in my body when I think of losing business, when I think of having to open that resume. And the truth is, is that I can't get someone to have that feeling. They might have to go through that themselves. So what's the point of this episode today? The point of the episode today is for you just to recognize in yourself, can you burn the boats on your own? Or do you need to reach some kind of critical moment where everything goes to shit? I think of this idea um, that like, what happens when, let's say there's a, a couple that's together, a man and a woman, and they get a divorce. They break up. What's the first thing the guy's going to go do, right? Maybe he's like going to go get in shape. He's going to go work on himself, right? Like you can just do that stuff now. And you don't have to like wait for this critical moment where their relationship goes to shit because you weren't investing in yourself and being present and, and, and working on yourself. Do you see what I mean? Like you don't have to wait for this moment where everything falls apart for you to get serious unless you do. And I did. <laughs> and it's a pain that I never want to have again. I was just in downtown Philadelphia today and I, I just like, I remember, uh, I just did training, which was lovely. And, um, we rode by this 
path that my wife and I walked after we lost all this business and broke and I couldn't afford an Uber. We, we had Ubered somewhere and our decision was to Uber back or to have dinner. I mean, we weren't like destitute, right? We had food in the pantry, but like we really couldn't afford to Uber home and have dinner out. So we decided to have dinner out and then walk home. And then it started to rain and we had this like really wonderful walk in the rain. Like I'll always remember that. There is a lot of value from reaching those points of pain. And again, maybe you have to go through that. But I encourage you to act as if you're going to avoid that. What that did to me, you know, what that did to our bills. And it just, it was a, it was a tough time to hit such a zero spot just to go so bottomed out in finances and in frustration and self-doubt. But what came from that was this reinvigorated belief in myself, knowing that I could do it, burning the boats, pushing forward and doing whatever it took to be successful. There's a quote that comes to mind oftentimes, which is, in life, you either get what you want or you weren't serious or weren't willing to pay the price. And I was finally serious and I was willing to pay the price. And that price was long nights to get started. Man, when I started my fractional CMO practice, it was not easy for me. I had no one to model off of. No one else was really doing it. I had to write my own proposal from scratch. I had to scrape up the cash to get a lawyer to review the contract. Right? I had, like, had to figure out the software to use and the sales process and the service that I'm going to provide to them and all the different pieces. It took me years to figure this stuff out. And I would invest every single month into it. What's so cool now is that our members come in and they get that proposal right away. They get the service uh, strategy right away, the sales process right away. They know how to go out and prospect and win new business. Like They get this stuff that took me years to learn. And if you want to shortcut your way to success, I encourage you to burn the bridges, burn the boats. I'm not saying, I think the term burn the bridges is used oftentimes to say like to kind of you know, screw people over or whatever. I don't mean that. I mean, just no escape. The only path is forward and you have to build to get the outcome that you want. If you're willing to do that, you will be successful. It is inevitable that you'll be successful. It is inevitable that you'll work every day on it because you're excited about it. You're committed to it. You just have a different energy. You'll outwork other people. And I tell you, after you've done that and you've built your practice and you have a pipeline it becomes easier. And maybe it's like, you know, my wife and I laugh about having kids. We have uh, a second child and she's um, uh, just about seven months. And she's just so easy in comparison to what we remember our first child at that age. And our first child, I was like, we were so stressed out about it. The second kid is like, easy peasy. I don't know if she's any easier. I just think we're better. So I don't know that as you add more clients as a fractional CMO, it gets easier. I think you just get better. You get more efficient. You're able to identify problems that are coming at you further down the road and solving them then before they hit you, right? Before the problem is emergent. 
You're able to build your practice, have clients, support them, and then over time build the lifestyle into that support where you're taking Fridays off. Maybe taking half-day Fridays. Maybe taking half-days Thursdays and Fridays. Maybe taking every Wednesday off. Maybe taking your kids to school. Maybe just like getting into the hobbies that you want. Whatever the thing is that you want. Once you have that book of business, once you have a process to get more business into your pipeline and you can predictably close it with a great process and then you know how to serve it predictably and you can create big outcomes for those clients, it becomes this flywheel. It becomes this thing that spins on its own where you doing good work produces great results for your clients that then produces goodwill and case studies that you use to leverage to generate other clients and on and on and on. And if you're hearing this, like you're still early in the fractional CMO game. Like it, this is a nascent market. There are not many fractional CMOs right now. This is the time to be a fractional CMO. This is the time to bet on it. When I think of AI and what's it, what it's doing to marketing, it's great. It's scary for some people, like content writers, like they're freaking out. But for fractional CMOs, man, we love it. Cool, great. We can solve more problems faster. Isn't that the point of being a CMO? I think of the role of the CMO is one that will last for a long, long time, well outliving me. If that's interesting to you and you're willing to burn the boats so that you have to be successful and you're willing to do what it takes, I encourage you to buy a copy of my book, The Fractional CMO Method, or book a call with my team at cmox.co slash call. And just have a chat with us. Let's see if we can help you win clients that pay you $3,005, $15,000 a month or more per client per month so that you can build a half million dollar a year fractional CMO business working like 30 hours with clients that you love, making a big impact, really enjoying yourself. If that sounds interesting, book a call with my team. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 